Now join us for our teaching series, Greater Than, a study on Hebrews 1 through 10. Well, we're so glad you are here with us today. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. We want to welcome you if you're a first-time guest. Thanks for joining us. If you've been with us for some time, thanks for joining us as well. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week, even beyond just Sunday. So make sure you take advantage of the opportunities that were mentioned beforehand. But thanks again for being with us this morning in person or online. We're grateful to have you here with us as we're continuing our teaching series called Greater Than, which is a study on the first 10 chapters of the book of Hebrews. Now, as we've been in this series, a lot's happened in my own family, and many of you know the story of my wife and my mother-in-law getting COVID, and as that was happening, there's a lot more time at home, and it gives an opportunity for you to do things that maybe you wouldn't normally have the opportunity to do, like watch a movie that you watched many, many years ago, but for whatever reason said, I'm not going to invest more time and energy in it. But then you decide, you know what, on a whim, I'm going to just check it out one more time. I'm going to give it another shot as a 40-year-old man. I'm going to check out this movie. In the movie, the movie, I know you're waiting, you're on the edge of your seat, the movie was Hook. The movie was Hook. And how many of you have seen this movie? How many of you have seen this movie? This is a great movie. This is a great movie. And if you have not seen it, I want to encourage you, if you have Netflix, it's available there. I'm not sure if it's, no, if it's there still, but it was there uh, when I watched it. And here's what's great about this movie. It tells the story really about identity. Identity. Identity being lost and identity being rediscovered. It tells the story of Peter Pan. And who doesn't like Peter Pan? I mean, that's a, that's a great story. But what happens in this, and sorry for the spoiler alerts uh, for anybody, any spoilers here going, I'm sorry about that. You know, but in the midst of this movie, what happens is Peter has left Neverland, and he's an adult now, and he forgets about his time there. He forgets about his time. He's so invested in his career, so much so to the point that he misses the people that mean the most to him. But then he's brought back to Neverland, and he has to fight Captain Hook. But the only way he knows how to fight is with a pen and a checkbook. He knows how to fight that way. So he's having to relearn things like how to fight, how to fly, how to use your imagination, and in the midst of that, you see the, the difficulty it is to discover or rediscover your identity once it's lost. It's easy to do that. It's easy to put it in things that are lesser. And as we think about that in the context of the teaching series that we're in, greater than, as we've been looking at the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, that's actually what happened to these Hebrew Christians, these Jewish Christians. They drifted away from their identity. They were taking up things that had already been accomplished on their behalf through what Jesus had done. They wanted to go back to what was familiar, what was comfortable, what they knew, what was considered to be successful in life. They wanted to go back to those things. They were drifting away from their identity. And how easy is that for us as well? To drift away from our true identity, to lose who we are, to lose who we are and to miss out that which we were called to and called for. And who's calling us? And who has called us and who has paid this great price for us in Jesus? 
It's so easy to do that. And so we can relate to the character of, of Peter Pan in this story of Hook because it's our story as well. How many times have we settled for a lesser identity? I think we all have done that. We've all done that. So here are a couple questions for us as we think about our time together. First is this, do you forget who you are? And I'm not talking about you have a concussion and forget your name, right? That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about what I would call the condition of a spiritual concussion, where you literally can't hold on to who you truly are in Jesus, what he says of you, what he has for you, and you chase something that's lesser. You settle and you drift away from what he has for you. Do you ever forget who you are? Just like these Hebrew Christians did, just like Peter Pan did in the story hook. We can easily do that. Do you forget who you are? And then the second part to this is how do you discover or rediscover who you are? How do you do that? How do you go about doing that? And last week, as we were in the book of Hebrews, and as we were looking into all that God had to say to these Hebrew Christians through this author, we saw this idea of covenantal love established. Covenantal love established. How Jesus provides not a contractual love, but a covenantal love. That's not based on our performance, but it's based on his performance. What he perfectly did for us. And this week, what we're going to see in Hebrews chapter 8, is what it is that he established. So we said he's the reason that we can have this new covenant. He's both kingly and priestly, and he's perfect and able to establish this covenant that's, again, not going to go away when we mess up. He's going to go the distance with us. And not only when we don't mess up, or you know, not only when we mess up, but even it's not condi- on the conditions of our own successes or how effective we are. It's about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But today what I want to look at is what is it that he established? What is this covenant that he's created for us? So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to read through these verses, and then we're going to unpack them. But I want to read them first so that we can really understand what the author is getting at here. Hebrews 8, starting in verse 8. Listen to what it says here. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord. Because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness. And I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Let's pray together. Father, right now we thank you for your word that is alive and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword as it says here in the book of Hebrews, able to reveal to us our our hidden motives and to show us and to illuminate what it is that you have for us. 
And so, Father, as we look at this new covenant, Lord, I pray that we would be able to fully understand the depth of your love for us, this covenantal love. Help us to leave behind a contractual type of love. Help us to leave behind the lesser identity that we so easily settle for and to step fully into the identity that's been accomplished for us through the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. Help us to embrace all that he has for us and help us to see with great clarity what it is he's calling us to. Increase our faith and our faithfulness and our fruitfulness to you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So as we continue here, I want to unpack these verses because one of the things you learn as you go through the book of Hebrews, there's a lot in each chapter. I don't know if you've noticed that, but when you go through it, you're like, whoa, that's a lot. There's a, you know, there's a whole bunch of sermons you can do in just one chapter because there's so much here. But what I want to do is I want to help us to understand what this new covenant really is. And so the first part of these verses that we looked at says this, as the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. And so when you look at what's said here, he talks about what's called the old covenant. Say that with me, old covenant. So he's talking about this old covenant. And, and when you look at the old covenant, it was the covenant that said, hey, I'm a God who is perfect and faithful and holy and good. And I'm inviting you, I'm inviting you into a personal relationship with me by faith and by this covenant, by this covenant. And the covenant was contingent on, first of all, God being the one who's able to withhold and to withstand the conditions of the covenant, but also it required the people, the nation of Israel, to follow what the covenant said. That basically, hey, you're going to be faithful to God, and as you're faithful to what his laws are, his commands, and you don't worship other idols, he's going to stay true to this covenant. But what you find as you read throughout the Old Testament is that they would run in rebellion, and they would walk away from God. They would settle for a lesser identity and hold on to idols, and they would hold on to idols, and not only would they hold on to idols, as we often do as well, but then they had these ideologies, not that we can relate to them at all in that, right? But these ideologies that were lesser than what God had for them and for their lives. And so the conditions of the covenant would be broken again and again, not because of God, but because of the people. God was faithful to the conditions of the covenant, but his people were unable to keep the conditions of the covenant. So if you're taking notes, simply put here on the slide, old covenant, it required a mediator. And that was Moses and the high priest. And it simply means, again, a right standing was subject to terms and conditions. If you are faithful to me, I will be faithful to you. If you bless me, I will bless you. All right, so this is the old covenant. But then we hear this incredible, incredible gift that's given. But you have to know for these Hebrew Christians, they wanted to continue to hold on to the old, not to the new. They didn't want to understand or they couldn't understand that Jesus was the fulfillment of the old covenant, the requirements of the old covenant and what it meant and what it needed in order to be fulfilled. But then listen to what the author of Hebrews says. He says, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel 
after that time declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. In other words, I will give them a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. I will put something new in them. And this speaks of two things that I think are really important. First, the coming day when all things will be made new and God's kingdom is established here on the earth. But also there's a promise for us who are followers of Jesus that through the finished work of Jesus, his laws and his commands are going to be written in our minds and in our hearts. And that we're going to be able to walk in the ways of God. Now, when you hear laws, you got to know that laws are really about liberty. Laws can be used as a thing to hinder people, as we see with the Pharisees and the religious leaders in Jesus' day. But for those who are in Jesus and walk with Jesus, we know when he gives boundaries, it's for our benefit. It's for us to run in freedom and to walk in freedom. And so he says here that you're going to be able to understand the ways of God. And so as we think about that, here's the first part we need to understand about the new covenant. The new covenant transmits God's law into our hearts and minds. It transmits God's law into our hearts and our minds. And it's the difference between delight versus obligation. And both those who would say, hey, I'm about the old covenant or the new covenant, we're tempted, if we're not careful and we're not walking in the reality of the new covenant, to be about a checklist type of faith. And the checklist type of faith that says, hey, I came to the Sunday gathering. Hey, I read my Bible. I went to community group. I did all this stuff, but I didn't know the one who established this new covenant. I didn't grow in my affection and my attention towards him. But the new covenant, if we're walking in the power of it, it says, no, this is the delight and the joy that is ours in him. And we come directly to the source in Jesus. We don't, we don't go to another party. We don't have to go to a high priest. We don't have to go to Moses. You don't have to come through Pastor Joe. You don't have to come through me. You know, you can go directly to the source. You can come directly to your heavenly father through the finished work of Jesus. And it's a beautiful picture of what's said here because as you understand this, this moves to delight. This moves to joy. This moves from I have to do this to I get to do this. There's a big difference. And so which way are you walking? Are you walking in delight or obligation? Because if you're walking in obligation, you're not really walking in the new covenant. Because the new covenant says, no, this is great delight. This is great joy. There's goodness found here. Well, we continue on here in Hebrews. It says this, I will be their God and they will be my people. I will be their God and they will be my people. Let's say that out loud together on three. One, two, three. I will be their God and they will be my people. And this speaks of being known by the God of the universe, that he's ours and that we are his. This speaks of a covenantal love that's established through what God would do on our behalf through Jesus. I will be their God and they will be my people. And this is powerful to think about because as we look at the invitation, it, seek, it speaks to belonging and being a part of something. And so this brings us to the next part of the new covenant. And it's this, that the new covenant invites all into the family of God. It's not just a select group of people. Now the nation of Israel were invited in to this old covenant, but the intent of that was that they would be a light to all the nations pointing to the one true God. 
but they had this covenant with God. Now the new covenant says, hey, everybody is invited. Everybody's invited in through what Jesus has done. And so we've all received an invitation to join God's family. And I think about this, and it's such a powerful picture, because if you grew up with family, you know the gift of that, right? You know the gift of growing up with aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins, right? Many of us are like, yeah, yeah. And, And recently, I've experienced the joy of that as now my brothers and their families have their own children and my, my son Ray, and we have cousin time, and that's so awesome. But I contrast that to what I experienced growing up. And what I experienced growing up is I didn't have my dad around. I didn't know my dad. We didn't reconcile until 2009. It wasn't until I was in my late 30s that I met aunts and uncles and grandparents for the first time since I was a two-year-old. There, there are family members, I don't know, and even to learn my family story from both my dad's side and my mom's side, to answer questions that I have about where I come from, it helps to bring and to focus my family journey and the family that I come from. And the beautiful thing about that is when you understand your family and you understand the contrast of not having a lot of family to having a lot of family, right? You, you understand when it goes from just me, my mom, and my two brothers to all these other people, you're like, wow, this is incredible. This is incredible. In the same way, in the same way, we are invited into a, the family of God. And when we're invited into the family of God, it's not just like, hey, I'm friends with a cousin that I've never met on Facebook, which is true, by the way. There's like three or four cousins that I just became Facebook friends with last year. Because I'm like, oh, we're cousins, but I've never met you. Hey, how's it going? You know, like, how are you? You know, like, you know, like how do you even pick up on the, hey, I'm your cousin, you know, from my, you know, all this stuff. That, that's different than, hey, I'm hanging out at my identical twin brother's house yesterday from 10 o'clock till 7 o'clock at night with me and Ray and all the other cousins and Uncle Jesse's there, and he's with his boys, and, and John, and all, all their, their families. And we're having a great time connecting and relating and building relationships. It's different, because I'm invited in. I'm invited into their home, and they know me, and I know them. In the same way, we're to know God as our Father. We're to know Him as family. We're brought in, and we're invited in through the power of the new covenant. Again, the new covenant invites all into the family of God. As we continue on here, In Hebrews 8, it says this, No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them, from the least of them to the what? So let's say that together on three. From the least of them to the greatest. The least to the greatest. In other words, anybody and everybody's welcome in. And there's a day coming when we won't have to teach our neighbor. And again, this speaks of the futuristic reality of his coming kingdom, but it also speaks of today that we can know God through faith in Jesus. We don't have to be dependent on a preacher, a podcaster, an influencer, somebody else. (laughs) We can go directly to the source. And one of the greatest challenges right now in our culture is everybody's listening to everybody talk about the Bible, but many people aren't opening the Bible and looking at it, and looking to it to understand who Jesus is in his ways. And not only to look at the Bible and to understand it, but to grow in what Jesus said, 
to be people who are marked with this great compassion, to be a people who are marked with this great love for others, to be these people who are marked with being full of grace and truth, to be these people who are commissioned out to make disciples who make more disciples, to be his people who are unified even when we don't agree on everything, to be his people. But he says, we can know the Lord. We can know him. We can walk with him. And we can be empowered to do what he's asked of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus did not only come and live this perfect life and die on the cross, he resurrected. And not only did he resurrect from the dead, he ascended. And as he ascended, we're told that the Holy Spirit came and enables us to live out what this passage talks about here. The power of the Spirit within us. And this brings us to the next part of the New Covenant here. The New Covenant develops personal knowledge and intimacy with God. And knowledge, not just a bunch of facts and information. That's not what I'm talking about. It's about an experiential knowledge. It's about saying, I know you. I know you and I know your ways. And it grows our intimacy with them. Because the greatest pursuit of our lives is to pursue after Jesus, to come after him with all that we are, to deepen our love for him that will lead to our love for others. And I want you to know this. You, you through Jesus and through the finished work that he's done on your behalf and by the power of the Holy Spirit can walk with Jesus. You can walk with him. You can let him lead you. You can know him and make him known. Whether you are a middle school student, a high school student, whether you're an elementary age student, it doesn't matter. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is available to you. And so are we walking in that? Are we walking in the power of all the new covenant has for us? Because again, it's a personal knowledge and intimacy with God. We get to walk with him. We continue on here in this passage. It says this, For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. In other words, he's saying, hey, there's this forgiveness that's offered through Jesus. And by the way, this is a quotation throughout this passage of Jeremiah 31. He's saying, hey, this is fulfilled because of what Jesus would do. And I'm going to forgive them of their wickedness and their sinfulness. I'm going to remember their sins no more. And what that simply means is it isn't that God is a God who forgets, but he is a God who forgives. And he doesn't remember us according to our sinfulness. He remembers us according to Christ's righteousness in us. And that's good news, right? So he says, as far as the east is from the west, our sins have been separated. Our sins have been separated from the memory of God. And in the Psalms, it talks about that. And so that leads us to the next part of the new covenant. And it's simply this. The new covenant provides forgiveness and grace for sinners through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when you hear that word sinner, you may think of that Saturday Night Live skit. Sinners, sinners. By the way, we're all sinners, by the way. Because it speaks to our brokenness and our need for a Savior. It speaks to that which we need and what only Jesus could do. Sin speaks of our inability 
to keep God's holy and perfect standard, the way in which life is intended to be lived according to his purpose and the purposes he has for us. But Jesus provided a way because he performed perfectly on our behalf. And through the new covenant that he gives to us, the new covenant that not only he establishes, but enables us to walk in, we have forgiveness of sins. And the grace, the grace that we need, the grace that not only gives us what we don't deserve, but also the grace that sustains us when we're suffering and we're struggling and we're going through a difficult time. The grace that's sufficient for us in our time of need and in our weaknesses. The grace, the grace not only that empowers us to know God, but the grace that enables us to live a holy life, to be set apart and and to walk with God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to think of the power of the new covenant. So as we continue on here, as we continue on here, here's a question for you. Are you living by the old or new covenant? Because one of the challenges for the Hebrew Christians in the book of Hebrews, they wanted to hold on to that old covenant. They're like, oh man, that new covenant's awesome, but I still like the old stuff, right? It's like, it's like, oh man, you know, the old stuff is still really, really, really good to me. In other words, they're saying, Jesus is amazing. I'll give it to him. I mean, that's pretty incredible. He resurrected from the dead. I'll give that to him, all right? It's awesome. But <laughs> we need something else besides that. We need Jesus plus something. And I want you to think for your own life, what is it in you that would say, hey, it's Jesus plus this. What is that? for you. What is it? Because that is your version of the old covenant. It is your version of holding on to what has been dealt with once and for all, instead of holding on to the new covenant that Christ has established for you. He's made a way. He's made a way for you. So again, are you living by the old or new covenant? I know many followers of Jesus who are living by the old covenant. They're, they're living by it. They're like, man, I just got to strive more. I got to do more. I got to keep offering sacrifices for the sacrifice that was offered once and for all for me. It wasn't enough. And I want you to know, Jesus, what he's done for you is more than enough. So again, which covenant are you living by? The old or the new? And then the next part of this is the new covenant calls us by our true and new name. The new covenant calls us by our true and new name. And I wanted to show you this incredible clip from Hook, but we're, uh, we're not legally allowed to do so. So I don't want to go to prison or get a fine or all those types of things. So I will not show you the clip, but I will tell you about the clip. Uh, one of the most powerful scenes in the, in the movie Hook is there's this fight scene. And all of a sudden, Peter remembers he's Peter Pan. And he's fighting Captain Hook, and they're going out. They have this sword fight. It's incredible. But then Captain Hook gets the upper hand and puts his sword against Peter's neck, and he whispers over him, he says, you're a terrible dad. You didn't show up for your kids. You're not the real Peter Pan. You're not the real Peter Pan. And then one by one, as that's happening, the lost boys step into the light and they say, hey, we believe you are Peter Pan. We believe in you. We believe in you. His kids who are there, his son and daughter says, Hey, I believe in you, Dad. Even though his dad, their dad had had fallen many, many times, hadn't shown up when he said he was going to show up. And as I see that picture, it reminds me of what 
Jesus has done for us through the finished work that he has established and accomplished through the new covenant. He reminds us and tells us of our true and new name. This is who you are in Jesus. Walk in that. Walk in your identity. Because it's from that place when Peter hears those words coming over, over him that are louder than the whisper of Captain Hook that he's able to fight. And as he's able to fight, he gets the victory in this fight. And you know what? The battle that we're in is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of darkness, against our flesh. But if we're going to walk in victory, we've got to understand what Jesus has established on our behalf through the new covenant and let that identity fuel how we fight. Because the new covenant calls us by our true and new name. And that leads us to our last part of today. And it's simply this, what name are you going by? What name are you going by? What are you allowing to be your identity? What is it that you've done, whether it's failures or successes that you're holding on to? What is it even intentionally or unintentionally that you're allowing to be an excuse for living outside of sweet communion with Jesus that then is changing your character and is leading to how you're going about the things you do, your competencies. What is it in your life? You know, I think right now we live in a culture that loves to react, that loves to react. And we always say, no, 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 I'm just being real. I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping it authentic. You know, have you, <laughs> we live in a culture like that right now. You know, this is just the real me, all these things. And it's like, well, if the real you is the false you, because you're not walking in the true you, hidden in Jesus through the new covenant, is it the real you? And I want us to think about that. Because I think so many times we can buy into that lie that says, no, this is who I really am. No, no, no. That's who you are apart from Jesus. But who are you in Jesus? What does he say about your identity? How does that lead you to not be a person who reacts? Who reacts with anger to the point where you just fight. You say, you know what? I got something for you. Come on. You want something? I'm going to show you something, you know? Or how does that lead you not to freeze up when you're in a conversation that's getting heated or is difficult? Or how does that lead you not to have cutoffs? Because one of the things I learned in my family story is that cutoffs were very normal. So it's a normal part of my family story. But in Jesus, cutoffs, that's not how we're intended to deal with other people. <laughs> There's another way. And in the family of God, through the new covenant of Christ, we can re move from reacting to responding to how he's leading us and directing us. So my question for you is, are you allowing your new name to not only lead you to who you are, but what you are about and how you're going about your life? Are you allowing that to happen? Because our new name empowers us to do that. The new covenant allows us to live a new way, a new way that is established and is empowered by what Jesus would do for us. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the power of the new covenant. And we thank you for what it has enabled us to be able to do. Father, I pray that we would walk in all its power. I pray that even as we read through Hebrews 8 and as, as we've unpacked that a bit today, I pray that you would help us to step fully into that. And those who aren't followers of Jesus, we know that you make the new covenant available to them. But I pray that if they haven't yet today, 
put their faith in you, that today would be the day that they put their trust in you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, and we're so grateful for how good you are towards us. We pray that we would walk, walk in this covenant of love that shows us a new way to live. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In your name we pray, amen.